0: kids look at dvds and blu-rays like they're fucking coasters like yeah, i want to put my fucking juice box on it's like whoa watch out guy i want to watch this movie later i can't watch it there's a scratch yeah, in it that. i'm gonna put my juice
1: box out on there so i can stream my netflix
0: it's a movie toasty show here for you dennis and adam joke about it right I, I think so yeah. yeah 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 movie toast hey everyone welcome to episode 67 of movie toast movie reviews dennis how you doing this week
1: uh, pretty good sir pretty good sir first week of the new year
0: rolling into some
1: new things uh taking on a new New shine here. Hopefully, we're putting 2020 behind us. We're going to mm-hmm. we're going to make, make some stuff happen. What do you think? Let's let's uh let's toast some movies, man.
0: I think we should. Let's get into it. Let's uh stop pussyfooting around here. I got some polls here. You want to get in polls? Oh, yeah. Oh, love me some polls. You know. All right. They're not as thrilling as they've been in the past, but fun nonetheless. Uh so last week you reviewed the movie Ford V Ferrari as one of your tops of last year. So I figured I'd ask the Toasties who they preferred more, Christian Bale or Matt Damon? Oh, okay. So yeah. said
1: straight enough question. Like that's, we just talking about in this film, or are we talking about overall? Overall, in general. Ooh, see, now that's a tough one. That's
0: tough. I I think I would have to go Damon. I think I'd have to okay. go Okay. I'm not going to lie. I'd be with you on Damon. However... We're in the minority. Damon got 33%. Well, Bale got 67%. Wow. Okay. Uh, I I don't well,
1: know
0: if Connor it's like Batman doing it for him or something. I, I, I'm <laughs> I scuttled, but oh, I don't know. Wow. I don't even think I use that in a proper way. You, I don't yeah. think that's a word. We have a
1: new definition for the word. Let's add it yeah. to the dictionary. There you go.
0: <laughs> and uh, we kind of got in a heated little fake argument last week about uh, <laughs> Christmas movies and which action versions better with... Die Hard, and Lethal Weapon. So uh, I asked the Toasties uh, which they preferred more as a better action series. And it was Die Hard all the way or Lethal Weapon all day.
1: Ooh, alright. Well, you already know my answer, sir. So. <laughs> Spy Hard,
0: I got ya. Spy hard. Leslie yes. Nielsen, RIP, yes, buddy. The yeah, uh, Die Hard, for sure. I, I get that. Yep, that yep. would be mine as well. 25% went with Lethal Weapon all day. 75 swept diehard all the way. Oh, kind yeah. of a no-brainer, I think, right?
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: So two episodes ago, we uh, wrapped up our Mandalorian reviews with the season finale of Mandalorian, where, spoiler alert, everyone, a legacy character came back into the show. Uh, so I wanted to know what the Toastedies thought about some other legacy characters coming back, who they'd be more intrigued to see out of Leia, Han and Chewie as a duo, Mace Windu, and just for the hell of it, Jar Jar Binks.
1: Oh well, I think we know who some listeners may vote for, but uh, actually, just given uh, hmm, given those choices, Mace, because mm-hmm. I would want to confirm yes. my suspicion that Mace survived being thrown out of the Jedi Council Tower. Or the... No, it's not the Jedi Council Tower. That was the the council... The, whatever. Yeah, get your shit the together, council. Dennis.
0: <laughs> you call yourself a fan, uh, and Senate. you don't even know where Mace Windu was knocked out of? The Come Galactic on. Senate,
1: when he was thrown oh, out of the Galactic Do I need to Run. replace
0: you with someone else? I Thank think you. I do. Let me get uh, Tommy and uh, Corey on the horn. They might know where he came from. I hope
1: so. Yeah. I'm not, a wor- I'm not worthy anymore. I failed as a Star Wars fan
0: oh god uh so mace windu
1: is your vote yeah just because i want to confirm my suspicion that way that mace has been alive this whole time and in hiding
0: all right cool cool i i'm with you i want to see some more sam jackson and i think what spawned this idea in my head was uh recently uh, sam jackson celebrated his birthday and star wars their uh their little twitter page uh wished him a happy birthday and had a picture of mace windu and said uh, more is coming or something. They had an ominous oh, fucking tweet yeah. there. And whether that's true or false, time will tell. So I'm not going to tell you who got what, but I will say one character got 0%. Would you like to take a stab in the dark and guess who that was? Jar Jar. All right. You are incorrect. Oh, I, take I am another so stab.
1: disappointed in all of you. <laughs> I, Hosties, you let me down so hard. Um,
0: Zero is Mace, isn't it? You are incorrect again. Oh. Yeah. I know, right? This is harder than I expected. Something's
1: very wrong with you. Oh, my God. Then, I guess no
0: Leia. Yes, yeah. Now, see, my, my theory on this is maybe they don't want to see Leia come back because... Carrie has passed away, and they don't want to see another CG Leia. Maybe I don't know.
1: I could, yeah, that, that's exactly what I would say too. I would 100% agree mm-hmm. with that. I feel like that would be the reaction. Now, I don't agree with it because I don't think it. I don't think it was so bad, especially the way they treated our previous legacy characters' appearance. I digested mm-hmm. it fine. Now, could I watch a whole episode of a character running around looking like that? That would be fucking weird. The, yeah the the little bit that we got, totally fine. Just like seeing mm-hmm. Tarkin in Rogue One. I, oh, was, yes. I was perfectly fine with that. And it was cool to see the character. Well, don't forget, we did have
0: Leia in Rogue, and Rogue One as thing. well. She <laughs> yeah. played just that quick role. Yep,
1: That's true. That's true. And that
0: looked all right.
1: Yeah, and same thing. Yeah, same thing there. It was it served its purpose. It was meant to be. Recognition of the time period we're living in. That's fine. Yeah. I now for watching a whole episode of something, that's part. That's also why I'm, I gave my choices. I think seeing Mace. Older because he has been reclusive and hiding and pulling a Ben Kenobi somewhere mm-hmm. that I would believe that he has been hiding out because obviously the empire and he probably, uh, he would be one of the few people who would know that uh, Anakin is Darth Vader, just like uh, That's Obi-Wan did. So he's not going to be fucking with that. Like he's seen firsthand um. Especially when Mace Windu was one of the greatest lightsaber duelists to have ever lived, he's not going to want to be fucking with who the guy who probably is the greatest lightsaber duelist alive. So,
0: and on top of that, wasn't Mace Windu one of the guys who voted against Qui Gon training uh, Anakin, or was that only Yoda?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I believe it. I want to say it was him as well yeah that he was too old he's too aggressive because it uh i I think it's yoda makes he flats out states why and then Mm -hmm. Mace supports with the evidence of he's he's going to be too too hard to control he won't be able to train he'll drift to the dark side it's the whole he just matter of factly this is why we do it this way
0: yeah and they were very spot-on correct about that but vanity got the best of uh our old pal Qui Gon. Uh, so let's get back into this here. Um, so now we have three character. Well, I guess four. We got Han and Chewie, Mace Windu, and Jar Jar. Do you want to guess who got twenty percent?
1: Twenty percent. Oh, I'm gonna. I, you're just. I just really hope I don't keep getting disappointed by you guys. <laughs> Mace.
0: You are incorrect.
1: Fucking better be Jar Jar.
0: Yes, oh, Jar Jar came in twelfth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. At uh, least the second I could tell you wanted to say Jar, Jar but you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I had loved he, wanna...
1: he already wasn't zero percent, and that alone uh-huh. hurts me to my core, guys. All right, I'm everybody. not
0: gonna lie, when I saw that he got twenty percent, I, I just smiled and chuckled, and I'm like, I put this on air hoping this would happen, and oh, it did. And I was it did. oh you god I bet I bet someone said it like, Oh, we'll find out that he's really uh, uh running the whole, whole evil side of things here and there. Nope, nope. Uh,
1: he is nope, 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 nope. Uh, Refuse to accept it.
0: Yep. Refuse. Um, so yeah. So we got a we got a tie here with uh, Han and Chewie and Mason, mace Mason Windu. I guess we'll call Mason it Mason Windu.
1: Coming this fall.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, boy. Now I'm wondering. I feel like, I mean, you got Aaron L. Reich and you got anybody in a Chewy suit. So you could easily have that happen. But if that's happening anywhere, I bet that's happening in the Lando show without a doubt.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you could. Yeah. yeah. And because you want to have that established relationship going back and forth that they've worked together multiple times. It's not just we've literally seen the only two events where they've crossed paths with each other. That would be where they
0: were old buddies. The one time.
1: <laughs> one time that they hung out for like a week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, no, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I'm like, I hope Mace gets in there. Oh, um yeah. so yeah. That's that's all I got for polls this week. All right. Sweet. Yeah.
1: I'm still disappointed, but <laughs> it's okay. We can we can recover. We, we can't win them all. No. That's true. That's true. Not everyone can have the refined movie toaster taste. That's fine. That's what we're here you know, you know what
0: it's kinda like what happened here, Dennis. <laughs> it's kinda like in my eye the way it should have gone. I feel like it would have been Leia with 20 Jar Jar with zero. I feel like they just traded places a little bit. Oh, you think so? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, a real trading places story that I'm one that I got invested into was one directed by a Mr. John Landis. This is going to oh. be my, my first, my first review for the episode. Um Going back to, I believe it was 1983. Yes. 1983. That uh, we got the, I think, one of uh, Landis's better pictures starring both Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd as gentlemen who live on opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, Dan Aykroyd is a guy who's living on the high society side of life, working for a big brokerage, uh, stock brokerage firm, um, has a butler is driven everywhere. He, he goes to cigar clubs and he's high society through and through. Then you got Eddie Murphy living on the streets, begging for change, harassing women, police, chasing him around, getting thrown in jail. Uh, very, very opposite folks. Um, the movie set up, the set up for the film, for those not aware of it is there's two other rich gentlemen who are the employers of Dan Aykroyd's character, uh, they brokerage firm, Duke and Duke, they like to do just these sadistic bets on things. They, they get so ingrained in their point of view on something that they'll, they'll bet amounts of money against each other and completely change people's lives just to see what would happen. And in this particular instance, the argument is nature versus nurture if uh, someone born in a bad environment will never thrive in an ideal environment because this is what they're made of. The other brother saying, no, you can take a man out of the environment they're in, give them all of the means and they will adjust and become who they need to be. So he, (laughs) they take Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd and completely swap their lives in a matter of what, 24 hours or something. Dan Aykroyd goes from drinking expensive wine and having, eating lavish meals and, all of this stuff, too. He's accused of soliciting a prostitute, selling uh, PCP. He's wearing the clothes that were found in, in like a jail lost and found. He's got a black eye. <laughs> He's asking his, his fiance to come bail him out of jail. And Jamie Lee Curtis, who's also in this film, who's playing uh, uh, the hooker with the heart of gold, of course,
0: mm. runs up
1: to him because she's pay- she was paid to. Say a bunch of lies about how they spent the whole night together and did all this stuff. destroying. Well, that's not Africa. about
0: wasn't her acting just terrible in that, like pretending to say all that stuff, or, or am I miss for uh, she lays it on pretty thick. That. Like
1: it's she's oh, definitely yeah. not sounding like herself, like she's sounding like she's trying to be a character. But I appreciate the fact that this woman has no idea what she sounds like, so she's just gonna, yeah, that's it. true. She's just gonna sound like the sloppy, gross, dirty hooker i guess <laughs> but we really know it's the jamie lee curtis hooker that's the gonna care for you she's gonna take care of you and not just because yeah. you paid her because she she has a heart um and she has about forty thousand dollars in savings so she's a hard working lady <laughs> um that comes up later though so
0: <laughs> it's in the streets and hitting the sheets yeah
1: so in, in the classic John Landis style, I love the way the movie starts in that we're getting to see the city come to life. And it's a classic montage of watching businesses open, people going about their day, walking down sidewalks, shutters opening, cars driving by, people talking. Just um, I feel like the kinds of things you would see at the beginning, the establishing shots of Chicago in the Blues Brothers, it's that backdrop and that tone and the character that we are kind of getting to know that is the setting that our characters are living in. So it's like we never have to dress it again. It, it, is, it is laid on so thick on the top that I, I feel very aware of this world that we're in. And I've always been a fan of that in his filmmaking. And I love the unflinching look at just look at what the world is. Be very aware that this is where we are. Now we go. And it, it's, it's like the setup to a storybook, except this is a very raunchy, very unpolitically correct storybook.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, my dad would watch this movie so much when I was a child. Like I've seen this movie so often as a child. And I, I bet going back and watching it, I'd be like, why the fuck was I watching this as a child? Oh yes.
1: There's definitely moments of that. I, and then same thing here. I countless times where it was like on cable or whatever, especially when it's like, I've probably seen the movie couple dozen times on the cable edit you know like i may have mm-hmm. seen it unedited all the way through maybe twice and uh, watching it this recently had been the first time I, in years i had seen all of the movie in its entirety and one of the things that's kind of funny is how many people are in the film um how many other actors you can recognize uh, mm-hmm. uh al franken the political voice yeah, he's he's in the end of the movie as one of the uh he's one of the guys loading the 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 train where the gorilla is at the oh, end of yeah, the movie. The um, when Eddie Murphy is in jail, uh, Giancarlo Esposito is one of the other dudes in jail with oh. him. He's leaning up, he's leaning up on the jail cell, and he's the guy that Eddie Murphy's telling his made up kung fu story to. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, God, to see, there's a few more. Oh, uh, Frank Oz is has almost the same part he did in blues brothers Look at this, in this
0: movie. man um, we got a yoda uh, we got a Grand marth tarkin who else do we got in this bitch? oh not Grand.
1: uh you mean um i mean uh,
0: what's his part? moth gideon yes. yeah
1: but yeah i got i got i got what you mean oh yeah no it's it's full full of uh recognizable faces uh
0: Wait, wait, Dennis, Impossible you don't know from... that Grandma Talking is going to be played by Dan Aykroyd? To... Shit, I, I should not have let that out there. I'm that sorry. That
1: would have been... Oh, you spoil it, spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> got...
0: Piece of shit. <laughs> got to edit uh, that out here. Can't let the Disney find out I, I spoiled that. Lucas
1: Lucasfilm is going to come just kick <laughs> our doors in and we'll never be heard from again. Uh,
0: it's been a pleasure. Skywalker
1: Prison. <laughs> Uh, I love the the tone, the just the, the flavor of the movie. Now, um, like like we were touching on, c- coming back to watch it now, there's definitely parts of this that have not aged well. Now, I I can appreciate there are moments where they're trying to highlight racism as a negative thing. Of course, it is bad. They are, we we see horrible people say horrible things, do horrible things to people purely for the fact that it is the color of their skin that they're doing these things. Fucked up. Mm -hmm. We also see those those people get punished for those actions or we see some some type of uh, consequence for them doing for saying and doing all of this stuff. Mm. Except for Dan Aykroyd's character. He kind of gets away with it a few times and it's like, oh, for some reason, it's okay when this white guy says it. But when all the (laughs) other old white guys say it,
0: it's 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 bad. That 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 was kind of like, huh? I, I wonder, you I know, when Staldorf and Wal, Waldorf uh, say it. It's funny and cute. Well, no, it's it's I don't it's know what I'm the, saying here.
1: Oh, no, it's like it's quite I, now, you know, I, I they, know they get
0: in trouble, but Dan doesn't. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to Cause,
1: and then like even towards the end of the movie, as they're about to take the millions of dollars from they're about to steal all their money, he, he, mm-hmm. he throws it in there one more time, like he puts him down for his race one more time. And it's like, you've been cooperating. Uh, what And you still, huh? Okay. That was a little, you know, call call me a PC snowflake, whatever. But that was like, all right, I don't really understand that part. Same with, um, now I can understand one scene of Jamie Lee Curtis naked, but we didn't need the second one, nor did we need the two,
0: you shut <laughs> the your two, mouth, the two other
1: random scenes of just women dancing topless for, a solid, like, almost two minutes. or it's just like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I know. It should have been a solid three minutes. minutes. So that's what you're getting we, at, We right? had some
1: fun days on set just uh shooting this party. <laughs> he <laughs> that was going like, for a thriller effect here. Clearly, clearly. So, setting that aside, there is still... Genuinely fantastic humor in here. I loved watching Dan Aykroyd crumble. His character, like the, the way he portrays, especially mm-hmm. when he's the dirty Santa Claus at the Christmas party. <laughs> and Eddie Murphy chases him after him down the hallway after he gets off the elevator. <laughs> and, uh Aykroyd's been pounding that bottle of Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> he stops him. He just lets out a... And just spits a bunch of liquor out all over himself and he's got the big old hunk of salmon inside of his Santa costume that he starts eating on the bus Uh. in front of the in front of the family and it still has like beard hair in it while he's eating it
0: Um,
1: he just he just gives it all he sells it so damn good
0: But, you know? That's what Dan Aykroyd does these days. Like that—that's where he's at. Okay. He's drinking his Crystal Skull vodka and going on buses, eating salmon out of his beard. <laughs> no, let me tell you about the Bassmaster Five Thousand.
1: <laughs> he's just drinking <laughs> blended fish with, <laughs> with oh. vodka in it. Uh, oh, yeah. No, it's he. We we get classic and like prime Dan Aykroyd in this film. Uh, Eddie Murphy. I to me, same thing from him. This is uh maybe not the absolute best eddie murphy but this is eddie murphy when he was at his peak if that makes sense the differentiation between the two like this is when he was around when he was at his sharpest i guess
0: uh yeah we're not watching 2012 eddie murphy we're watching delirious eddie murphy there there you go (laughs) there you go norbit versus Delirious. oh god yes
1: um it's still it, it was very much worth going back through uh and a part of the motivation for doing this was actually because uh, my wife had never actually seen it before. So it was kind of, yeah, me too. I was just like, well, we got to do that. That, that was the really, the big push. So it was fun watching it with someone who had never seen it before. That was definitely one of her takeaways was just like, holy shit. They just said and did all that. (laughs) It doesn't totally, I don't think it totally overshadows the rest of the film because of course they reap justice on uh, our, our two bad old, rich white dudes but the way we get there is a very entertaining journey um some interesting footage of the the twin towers like they have a couple of scenes where they're sh- shot right at the on the block right at the base of them and coming in and out of the building because that's the focus of how they get all their money's uh stock trade so that was kind of neat just to mm. see you know I n- never had the chance never got to never got to go to I've never even been to New York so just seeing, seeing footage like that that looks so authentic. And I know, you know, obviously it's in a film and it's staged, but it feels so genuine, um, especially in these films. When you see the John Landis or uh, films, uh, Chris Columbus, those, where, where the characters and location comes so, sorry, where the location becomes so important to the character and the setting that it is featured very heavily like mm. that. I I love that tone and setup. Yeah, I know I meandered all over the film there, but it's got a great cast. It still has solid comedy, and it is a genuinely classic John Landis film. It's a little rough on the edges with uh, some of the dialogue and situations we get ourselves in. So if you can, if you if you can get past that, that is. But that is totally your own personal taste. I'm not going to say one way or the other whether that's right or wrong for you. I just know I can. Try to interpret what it is they were trying to say. It's 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 still uh, a good viewing, I think. Um, I'm going to give it three <laughs> slices. The performances that we get, um, the delivery is just so fantastic, and I think this is prime Dan Aykroyd, prime uh, Eddie Murphy. This is the perfect era John Landis, where we are right in the middle of when he's making awesome, awesome stuff. That is what that, that's why I'm giving it three slices. It's, but like I said, it's kind of. Leave that to the interpretation of the viewer. I'm not trying to offend anyone with some of the things that are said. So I'm definitely not going to try to repeat or emulate what's going on in there. But um, it's still it still has good funny. It's still there's there's raunch in there. That's I think most people can just laugh at for the sake of what it is. Uh, The situations that Mm. they get in the rich versus poor and what is important to you. What are the things that you actually that mean, you know, what, what are the things that mean the most to you? Those are interesting things that they can touch on, even in this uh, comedic environment. That I think are worth viewing. Um, I personally viewed it on Google Play. I uh, you can rent it for about four bucks in most platforms. We purchased it uh, yes. just so it's finally in the collection. Got a
0: bunch of big money spenders oh, over yeah. here. I, hey, I had
1: to follow suit with you, man. Purchasing new flicks left and right every week, so figured might as well. Keep building on to our digital portfolio.
0: Son of a bitch! Yeah, it's funny. Back in the day, I used to I used to scarf at people digitally buying films. I'm like, I used to get DVDs and Blu-rays that came with the digital, and I throw them out. Now I'm like, what an idiot! Why would you ever? Yeah,
1: do this? yeah, I kind of did the same thing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean now kids look at DVDs and Blu-rays like they're fucking coasters. Like, yeah, I want to put my fucking juice box on. it. It's like, whoa, watch out, guy. I want to watch this movie later. I can't watch it. There's a scratch no, fuck in it. That.
1: I'm gonna put my juice box out there so I can stream my Netflix. That's where that's where all the stuff it's is. Fuck. Come on, man.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll 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 take you one further. I watched a new Netflix original movie, The Midnight Sky, directed and starring George Clooney. Oh, nice. It's okay. about a it's about a reclusive uh, scientist in the Arctic who's a lone survivor of a global catastrophe. He's the only one who can warn a group of astronauts not to return to Earth. Unfortunately, he needs to travel across the very harsh Arctic landscape to get to a satellite to warn them. However, right before he leaves on his journey, he finds the one and only remaining person on Earth who happens to be a mute little girl? What? Yeah, yeah, a little girl who does not speak. Somehow he finds her in his like little, kind of. It's not a cabin. It's kind of like this like science research center. Because mm. uh, before the movie starts, we see a bunch of rich people. Uh, before this catastrophe happens, they're uh, they're being shot up into space to go live in space, and this girl apparently did not get on her flight. And she was hiding off here, and right before he's leaving, he kind of runs into her. So now he has to not only he he's I I left out a little uh, part here. He is dying. He's sick. He's uh, putting himself through some medication. He's in an IV a lot of the time. So he's not only traveling across the snowy landscape, fighting off creatures and the harsh weather, but now he also has to keep a little girl safe. Oh Jesus!
1: Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, it's intense. And uh, at first, he's like, no, no, I'm not the guy here. I, I can't do this. I can't save you. I can't rescue you. Uh, but then slowly over time, the two start bonding. And it's so cute and genuine. Like, he kind of, oh, man. Like, they. Th- there's a point where she kind of flicks some peas at him. And they get in, like, this little, like, pea-flicking contest. <laughs> uh, at one point, like, after they start bonding, he goes into his room. And he's about to go to sleep. And you see her bring her, like, blanket and pillow in. He has to be like, no, this is my room. You got to go over here. Like they they just, oh man. At one point, he's almost a uh, spoiler alert here. He gets very hard. He, he goes through some shit and she has to help him kind of get back to his fighting shape. Uh, so that's kind of cute. Um, the action is nail biting in some of the moments here. And it's so crazy how intense oh, nice. stuff gets. Like when like, Ice is cracking under you. Like You think you're in a safe area, but it's not safe. And half the fucking structure you're on is slowly starting to fall into the water. And you got to you got to save a kid. You got to fucking get your bag. You got to get jackets. There's so much going on. Um, and I love this Arctic setting. It is so visually pleasing and beautiful. I, I love snow, man. So oh, awesome. Sign me up. However, the movie has some pretty horrific really like jarring cg when we're in space you see like stuff and it's like because we do also see the astronauts up in the space station but their plot kind of lingers and it's a little meandering there there are a few cool little things like at one point someone bleeds and like we see the blood just like kind of come out of their skin and it's fucking floating it's in this, like beautiful area <laughs> Yeah. And that's stunning and pretty fucking awesome, but overall, and we're seeing them training and doing their stuff, seeing them interact with holograms. But I honestly did not understand what their whole purpose was and like, why they were going back. Like, I don't know. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't digging their, their storyline. I really loved the, uh, George Clooney and the little girl. Hmm. That stuff was fun, but this movie, the pacing was so off the plot. I feel like we've had plots like this before, and honestly, it took a while before the little girl entered. Like for a while, we were just watching George Clooney do his thing day in and day out. And I'm like, oh, I want to turn this off, but maybe it's going to get good. And the girl came and I'm like, oh, OK, we're spicing it up a bit. Oh, okay. Um, but it just didn't do it for me, unfortunately. And like I said, other people may dig it, but just not for me. Overall, I give the Netflix original movie, The Midnight Sky, two slices of toast. OK, OK. Yeah. But I will say what dragged me in. The old saying that we have on this uh, podcast here, the beard sucked the beard me in. Sucked in this it. case, the beard sucked Pulling me in again.
1: Beard. Pulled you in, huh? Yes.
0: If I ever get a chance to meet this sweet son of a bitch, I'm going to ask him if that beard's right. If that beard was yeah. real. Because
1: it looked believable. Like, Sir, you have an incredible career, but I have to say, Midnight Sky, that was a mighty fucking beard.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, I saw it, I'm like, oh, man. I wonder how long it took. Like, even his mustache, the part of the mustache <laughs> part of the beard, I'm like, oh, my God, this is going over oh. his mouth. It's so grizzly and crazy looking, and it was so believable. That was my favorite part of the fucking movie right there, just looking. There would be moments, shit's happening, and I'm like, oh, look at that fucking beard. Look the way it's moving, the functionality in this. Oh, That's man. Great. Fucking, I give the beard fucking the beard four slices the of the toast list. alone. Right. But the the rest of the movie kind of set me off to, to two slicer
1: okay okay yeah
0: you know, the pros and cons of that beard uh, it's a mighty beard but not not mighty enough to to up it two slices oh, man.
1: yeah he does he does got a a grizzly uh jeremiah johnson look to him in the in the art yeah. for that for that movie, So
0: like and that's the thing normally he has like that that sweet sexy haircut and this it's like a buzz cut he looks like he might be balding a little bit and then a beard for the fucking century man <laughs> I don't know who convinced him to do that oh, look, know, but God damn. I got two I pages it. into that
1: script. He's like, I, I got to grow a beard for this. This he, He's he got a beard. Got a beard. <laughs> I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> Spent the last
1: year and a half. I hope just, so. No, no. Netflix movie.
0: Yep. Got to do it. Got to, got to, got to, got to grow it out. Little do you know? Oh man, I bet. I wonder right now if he has a beard like that after all this shit that's been going down. The last I was going to say,
1: it turns out it was all just because He wanted to argue with his wife. Like he just didn't want to shave. He's just like, nope. It's my character needs it.
0: Yep. Sorry, can't can't do anything. You don't like it? No, no. I think he <laughs> needs it. Listen, I produce this movie. I direct the movie. It's, it's in the script. script. It's happening. He needs a uh, goddamn beard. Um, <laughs> uh, no happy times on this movie set with me and my That's wife.
1: Right. Nope, none at all. But if you're looking for a happy times. Those are those are also on Netflix. <laughs> so, with the uh, <laughs> Netflix, whom we just spoke of, uh, just recently acquired the title "The Happy Time Murders." The old, how uh, how is it? What, uh, what was the production company? Henson Alternative, or
0: yes, like an adult Jim yeah. Henson. Spin-off. Which
1: there is an interesting history to that. Um, whether or not we decide to get into that, I we can throw that in at the end. But this is legit Jim Henson puppet. Full-on, the the, orig- like, the original school, the troupe that came down from the original Henson himself. Happy Time Murders tells the story of a world where humans and puppets coexist together. And puppets are treated as second class by most people. It's a certain kind of racism mm-hmm. where they're just regarded as clowns that are supposed to dance for us and be entertainment and there's there's comments about the color of their fabric and the the <laughs> fact that the, you just made for stuff you just made from stuffing and like these these unusual phrases that are clearly derogatory that are just <laughs> it's it, it's kind of it's funny to hear it used in this way because they're puppets it's somehow disarming but it's describing a very real thing that occurs every fucking day which is sad but it's mm-hmm. it's It's like, holy shit, it's somehow this is uh, this is digestible. And you're you're looking at it when it happens like this. Um, So in this world, there is there was a show in the 90s called uh, The Happy Time Gang. And fast forward to present day. um, The brother of one of the cast members is a detective who former former cop, disgraced cop, lost his position um, because of a shooting that went down horribly. And his partner played by Melissa McCarthy was, was injured. He lost his badge. He's yeah. He's a detective now. Yada, yada, yada. Well, there has been a string of murders and it's the cast members of the show. And we're, we're right off the bat. Two or three It's two or three people were killed pretty quick. Um, They actually don't spend a whole lot of time setting up the movie so much as we just start seeing characters get murdered. And then we find out after the fact, oh yeah, this is what's, this is what they did. Um, It's, the movie spends much more time on the comedy that these are puppets and humans coexisting um mm-hmm. the 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 plot is actually pretty basic there's there's not really much the imagination um it's it's a cop drama with heavy comedic elements um i I honestly one hundred percent forgive that because i absolutely adore the creativity that is being exercised with using puppets they did some weird Mm -hmm. shit and i love that that freedom that that is uh used here there's the you, you can get away with funky stuff um instead of having human beings hate each other for horrible reasons you have human beings hating puppets for horrible reasons there's um these elements that are supposed to be very real and lifelike that now are so much funnier because it's puppets instead uh multiple times in the film we get to the murder scenes and there's like the what's supposed to be the very graphic crime that has taken place and people are like scooping up stuffing and putting them in evidence bags body bags (laughs) and you're seeing police like human police officers in the background like retching and dry heaving and running out of the frame to throw up because of the horrible graphic thing. Or like there was a puppet's body washed up on shore that was in the ocean. And it's like the coroner, you guys better turn around. You're not going to want to see this. And they <laughs> ring them out. <laughs> they ring the water out of the puppet. Well, <laughs> <You> get... <laughs> oh, it's so funny. They're all, oh God. Everyone has to just, they're so disgusted and it's, it's so revolting. Um, Leslie David Baker, Joel McHale, and Melissa McCarthy are kind of our three main cop characters that we visit the most. Uh, I love Leslie David Baker in this role as the,
0: the head mm. cop,
1: Lieutenant Banning.
0: Is the being Lieutenant, in charge yeah. of
1: everyone else was great. I thought it was a very natural role for him. And it was funny to see Stanley not being Stanley, you know. Uh, <laughs> Joel McHale, I've never been terribly thrilled with. I don't know. It's just my personal taste. But he was just playing a dick in this in this movie and he was playing exactly what I feel like he normally plays uh, very reminiscent yeah. of Ted. Um, you're supposed to hate mm-hmm. this guy, but at least I, what I liked about this character is that you didn't have to hate him at the end. He was only doing his job and he was following through with the evidence as he saw it in front of him. Of course, as the audience, we knew he, our main character was innocent, but You know, what what kind of movie would that be if uh, we we didn't have any stakes? So Uh, aside from the lackluster plot, uh, I had a lot of fun with the comedy. I loved the fact that we had these puppets and the I think because of our personal perspective of what making a feature film should entail, adding that layer of figuring out how to shoot all of these scenes with all of these puppets and accomplish what a lot of how a lot of these scenes should move was very, very cool to me. Um, I loved watching the closing credits where you got to see a little bit of the behind the scenes, stuff. getting mm. to see some of the walking, the walk and talk shots of our, our main character, Phil, as he's walking through the puppet adult, the adult puppet store, adult <laughs> by whatever, um, that it, it the, seeing the, the puppeteer laying on the dolly track, getting drugged through trying to, you know, while then maintaining, um, Dialogue. I love that. It is it is so intense. Like that, I just to add that to everything I found fascinating. I personally oh, yeah. love that. And I would uh love watching another movie in this town. I would love to see another world of humans, puppets coexisting, and we're just supposed to digest it like that. Like that's like that's just it. We don't need to make that the focus of it. It's just this is how the world works. Um, do I need a sequel to this? No, I don't need to see these characters again. That's fine. We can totally walk away from this, this corner of the world, but I loved what was accomplished. So eh, it it was, I don't regret watching it in the least. Um, am I going to go rush to watch it again anytime soon? Probably not. Uh, that's why I'm going to give happy time murders 2.5 slices. It's, uh, it was a fun chuckle and I loved the exercise in puppets can be for a grownups st- to like a grown-up movie. We can do this for adults. That is perfectly fine with me. Uh, I'm very mm-hmm. much in, you know, if, if there's a show on adult swim you like, then this is this, this is the movie that would coincide with that, you know? Um, but I think it could have been more interesting. The plot could have been a little better. We could have actually had a few twists and turns instead of like, one and even then you see it coming from a mile away it's the only character left like it's that's but that's also not why you're here you're not here because it's a murder mystery you're here because it's puppets you know that's that's really the highlight there so that's that'll be my takeaway uh happy time murders on netflix and i'm giving that sucker two and a half
0: slices the the, the oh, man you left out the fact I believe uh, Jim Henson's son Brian Henson yes is oh yeah he is the
1: director and there is a funny there's a cameo um, I'm pretty sure it's off the top of my head because as soon as I saw his face I thought oh shit that looks just like that looks like a aged version of Jim Henson um, when Phil is in uh, Detective Edwards apartment after her bender and he's cleaning mm-hmm. it up he picks up uh, a photo from their baseball team from their police department in the top left yeah. of the corner or top left corner of the photo. One of the team members, I believe is Brian Henson. He's in, he's I in the, uh, their, what What are they called? The fuzz is the name of their softball team name. <laughs> he's wearing one of the jerseys and well, all that. Funny- stuff. Anyways, I thought it was cool. I believe he's in the movie as well.
0: It's funny that you say that, because um, there is a movie from 2014. The movie you're talking about, the Happy Time Murders, takes place in 2018. Uh, but in 2014, there's a movie on Amazon right now called The Fuzz, which is eerily kind of similar. Here's the description. When a string of violent drug-related crimes rocked the seedy puppet town of uh, puppet Town of Herbie, a puppet cop who is tired of being treated like a joke by the human officers on the police force must work together. Well, I oh. don't know. so pretty much there's a movie just like this four years beforehand. Not as good quality looking, but I just find it interesting that that they both exist. Wow. OK. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I keep saying I'm going to watch it, but I don't. So I don't know what that says about me. Interesting. And I loved I loved uh, Elizabeth Banks as the stripper slash on again off again girlfriend. I think of uh, our puppet hero. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep,
1: She was she was funny. I yeah. I did enjoy that as well. Um, it was that also kind of leans into my one. She's great. I actually really enjoy Elizabeth Banks. My gripe mm-hmm. is what they do with her character. She hey. seems so involved, yeah. and then all of a sudden, she's not like. I, I, I see the sacrifice of making sense of the plot for having the uh, the movie moment, like the cop movie moment you expect to see, if that makes sense, yeah. without having to give away that final scene, I guess. And I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, okay, I don't think we, we didn't earn any of that, but I, she was hilarious. And I loved that setup. Like they're just building her into the world and seeing her fall from grace and how she's the stripper who's, just waiting for her royalty checks from the TV, sh- the sitcom she was on in the nineties to start rolling yeah. in great, a great idea. And she was funny. Her performance is fun. Um, and yeah, the, the other thing I had mentioned back at the top of the, uh, so this production company is actually some um, Henson alternative. It okay. It's something that stems from way back when the, the troupe first got together. I remember reading about uh, they would do live shows in Hollywood. The, uh, so everyone was obviously you're familiar with Sesame Street and stuff. And when that was your bread and butter tr- uh, training at doing that type of show, you kind of started to get burned out on the fact that you're only doing these like kids programs, Fraggle Rock, those types of things. Mm-hmm. So the, the performers would do these live shows that were adults only. And that's where they got to flex huh. their other comedy muscles, what they really wanted to do. And I believe that that is where... The idea for this type of subject matter originally came from. they've always the Henson companies always had this type of idea and they've always carried this type of entertainment with them, but it's they've held it very close they don't left it let it drift too far out because I mean come on you got Sesame street the, the their puppets are iconic for a very different thing, but um, mm-hmm. I believe that it was an idea that had chopped around a little bit like it had come and gone for a while before finally getting made because I mean let's be honest it's a risky. It's a risky investment That's sure. a you're really hoping that it pulls off what you're trying to so that it does get that niche audience. But yeah, it's, I, I, I love that idea. And I hope that they go and make more content like that. And I believe beyond a shadow of doubt that I will go out and watch more crazy puppet stuff.
0: Fair enough, my friend. Fair enough. Funny you mentioned Shadow of a Doubt. I watched a movie called Shadow in the Cloud. Oh, is that a Star Fox movie? Uh, I wish. No. Uh, it's unfortunately not a Star Fox movie, but that would be pretty bitchin'. Uh, this is a movie about a female World War II fighter pilot in a B-17 flying fortress. Badass. She's a... <laughs> yeah, She uh, she is just a badass all around. Uh, the, this uh, this character is played by Chloe Grace Moretz. She's kind of the top of the top. She uh, jumps on board before this fighter uh, jet takes off. She comes on uh, with a mysterious package. She's on kind of a secret mission to uh, deliver this package, and it has to travel against the grain wherever they're heading to. I forget where it is. Sorry about that. And as you can imagine, the men on this crew don't take her very seriously. Uh, They believe a woman is not as skilled as they are. They think she's only good for her body and what she can do with her body. Midway through the flight, she notices something crawling on the wing of the plane. She tries to warn these men about it, but they all think she's crazy. Turns out she's right. There's a gremlin on their oh, aircraft, and she has to fight this creature simultaneously. Japanese fighter planes are attacking their plane. Um, <laughs> and... It's intense. And on top of that, she's stuck in this little uh, cockpit that she's in. Uh, The gremlin actually fucked with the handles and bolts so she can't get out.
1: That's okay.
0: Yeah. Um, It's this movie is fucking intense. Most of the time we're just in the gunner station with her, seeing what she's seeing, hearing (laughs) what she's hearing over the headset. Uh, and it's maybe a good, like, half an hour before the Gremlin stuff comes into play, and we're just seeing the sex, uh, sexism and everything against her, and it's kind of a nice little ca- character study, but, oh, man, when the fucking Gremlin enters, uh, it just gets real. It, things get really <laughs> thrilling, because, like, maybe she's seeing this. Maybe she is kind of crazy. Maybe she's not who she says she is. Maybe uh, it makes you question her, but you're in this zone with her, so you're like no dude we're seeing it she's seeing it and at some points the gremlin attacks her and she fights it off and oh man it's crazy the cg is slick in this movie the sets look like they're lived in like it looks like oh yeah i can believe this being kind of a run down fighter fortress kind of thing uh the acting is pretty strong like i said we're pretty much living with her and then we see some other guys later and oh man but just like the voiceover work that's being done over the headset. You're like, Oh, that guy's a scumbag. This guy's a dick. And like, she's really sticking it to them with what she's saying and doing. I'd give shadow in the cloud three slices of toast. I saw this at the theater, but I believe it's available on most VOD platforms. Um, Honestly, I heard about this movie. I thought it was just about her as a fighter pilot. I think I even told you about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, yeah, oh, that sounds fucking terrible. Then when I heard there was a gremlin in it, I'm like, oh, oh, I gotta yeah. see this. Kind of reminds me of uh, the Twilight Zone movie or something where that guy sees it. But it's funny enough that you gave your first movie review tonight was of John Landis's Trading Places because this was written by his disgraced screenwriting son, <laughs> Max Landis. Oh, shit. So it kind of oh, were bookending it here. Although it's also co-written by the director of this movie as well. Okay. That's good. It's not all Yeah, that's good.
1: good. And then I feel like that helps. That also helps translate whatever was written on the page better to the screen because you're you're understanding Mm -hmm. what is trying to be said rather than, no, I'm going to take this and make it what I want it to
0: be. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. But, oh, man, like it's crazy because like at at one point early on in the movie, you hear the guy saying very grotesque things about her. And they don't realize that she can hear it. And then she's like, Oh guys, Hey, I'm still here. And she says some pretty fucked up, th- well, not fucked up. She stands her own against nice. these guys. And it's, it's very interesting seeing an empowered woman, especially in this day and age where we don't really back in world war two, you don't really think about these things, but I bet there had been some ladies out there doing oh, this stuff. Yeah. And it's like I, the shit that they saw and had to live with is crazy, but just hoping that there are women like this. And like, she's so kick-ass this character and it was the physicality of some of the things that they later do with her and in, in the action that she does. It's like, Holy shit. It's kind of like, she's like, oh, we got a female Tom Cruise here and uh, I know it's not as intense as Tom Cruise, but it's pretty awesome. fucking awesome. No, that's
1: cool. I mean, I've, yeah. you sold me that's yeah. that already sounds like the kind of, the kind of thing I'd be into. I am mm. down.
0: And the gremlin design is kind of cool. It looks like a giant humanoid bat that's Ooh, furry. Brutal. It's, it's huh. cool. That's yeah.
1: okay. And I feel like that's always kind of the the imagery that's used for this t- for that kind of creature when you have like a plain gremlin mm-hmm. as a thing. I always remember yeah. uh, or I always think of the uh the old Bugs Bunny cartoon when he's flying oh, yes. he's flying a bomber or a or the gremlin is flying a bomber. No, it's the other way around. Bugs Bunny's trying to fly, fly the bomber and the gremlin is disassembling it around him. Uh actually and there's mm. an even older there's an older cartoon of Hitler flying you can you can find it it's Hitler flying a bomber going to going on a bombing mission himself and the whole plane around him is being musically and comically disassembled by a whole team of gremlins who are like making a game out of taking this whole plane apart and then the cartoon ends with him just like floating through the air with a flight stick and then he proceeds to fall out of the sky and that's it it just ends
0: (laughs) Okay, at least he gets his jest desserts there that's yeah it's right. always it's
1: always been that kind of thing. uh I'm curious how often stories like that like are were stories like that told with any frequency that it was a legitimate fear <laughs> or something
0: well, that's the thing like uh, when she says there's something out there, one of the guys you hear is like, You know, I've heard older pilots say they've seen gremlins, and there's things out there. And it's like, they're like, shut up. That's not true. But he's like, no, I've heard seasoned professionals say these things exist and they fuck with the plane just to get to you. And it's like, I'm like, yeah, I guess it's true because you're up there. You, you could get loopy or whatever. But it's like, who's to say
1: mm-hmm. that is awesome. Now, that's that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I, and I like that leaving you questioning, Uh, you know, they've got their lack of oxygen mm-hmm. because they're <laughs> fucking so high up. And- yeah.
0: And like I said, even before this whole plot kicks in, it was a pretty good character study, and it just got amplified to the 10th degree once that happened, because she saw the Gremlin. Then a little later, she thinks she sees a uh, Japanese fighter plane around them, and all the guys are like, you don't see a Japanese fighter plane. They've never been in this area. They've never been this low. Sure enough, she saw them. They attack later. At the same time, you're getting attacked by both these things she warned them all about. And nobody wanted to listen to her because she's a fucking mm-hmm. woman. And it's like, come on, get off your high horse. Come on, guys.
1: Yeah, you gave it. So you gave it three slices. And, yes. I, oh, man. I Unfortunately, it looks like it's only playing at a the Vineland Drive-In closest to me. So that's yeah. a
0: trick. Which island's not very yeah. far from me, but I will say it's on a couple. It's a it's a pretty decent driving. Uh, I uh, I think it's not my favorite one, but it's next to a trail uh train track, oh. so oh, it's the it. best place for yeah, driving. Uh, it's also available uh, to rent or buy in other areas, and this was a case of I'm like you know. I could rent it for $14. I could buy it for 20 Or I could go see it at the movies for $11. i would rather see it and experience it in the theater. But now I'm kind of like, I wish I bought this. It's always the movies I don't buy that I'm like, I wish I oh, but bought I
1: had. Them. I have to imagine with a movie like this, it had to be a, a much more intense experience seeing it on the big screen, hearing yes. the sounds. Like that had to. Mm-hmm.
0: that's yeah that was the selling point i'm like i'm not only saving money but i'm being immersed yeah, and you're this. kidding me a
1: movie that takes place Which on a fucking nice. b-17 that is going to sound awesome <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. cool well man oh man that is a yeah. that's cool you, you got me sold on that one i'm looking forward to seeking yeah. the shadow in the cloud out that's for sure
0: I don't know why every time I say it, I'm like, "Am I saying it wrong?" I feel like it should be shadows in the clouds. I don't know the why shadow.
1: the cloud of shadows, shadows.
0: Yeah. Like I feel like it's a weird, w- weird way of. St- I don't know. I'm not a you- fucking writer. I'm not in <laughs> my movies made. So what the fuck? Do I know?
1: When you apply what uh, the subject matter to it, that makes sense. You know, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, okay. Now I see why it's because
0: yeah, I think at one point someone does say, "Oh, she thinks she sees the shadow in the cloud" or something like that. So I think it's one of those types of situations. Uh, there were many shadows in the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think we're about to see the shadow on this episode. Uh, anything else that you want to... Ooh, do we, we teased something last week. Do we want to mention a little bit more about it this week, or wait till we got more information? I mean, I guess it can hurt to tease a
1: little more. At least... I, I, it had been touched on that yes, we we are, have some some news coming up, and that this in 2021 we're hoping to have the first ever Movie Toast Film Festival. So we're we're still still working out the details, but for those uh, interested listeners or someone who's sitting on a project, uh, keep your eyes and ears out uh, to the socials and
0: such, and we will definitely talk about it here. Yeah, we're gonna be blasting it everywhere. It's called Movie Toast the yeah. Festival leaving it very vague and awkward because who knows what it could become later down the road. We don't want to limit ourselves to just a film, but uh, primarily it's going to be a short film festival. It's going to be an experience that we're going to have out on. uh, It's going to be streaming online. We want to make a whole day out of it. And it's just going to be fun. Like Dennis and I, we've run a festival in the past and mm-hmm. it's great. It's fun. We've done it in the theaters, but it's hard getting everyone from all around the country in one area, uh, especially in times like this right now, big festivals aren't even going on in theaters. They're going yep. digitally. And uh, we think it'd be really fun to get this going. And uh, I'm very excited. I've been wanting to do this since like day one, two years ago when this, this podcast started and it's just been, we we had to slowly build our momentum there and, we're almost oh, yeah. there.
1: Absolutely. So. Yeah, me too, man. No, this is going to be cool. I I definitely miss doing this kinds of this kind of thing and just getting to see other people's creativity. And it's um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to give those creators another platform for their things to be seen, especially for our yeah. uh, toasty audience here who's already you already like watching movies. How about a, a handful of short films and things made by fellow listeners and other up and coming filmmakers that hell we could be talking about their movies on this show. It's uh, someday, um,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. It's like why should we only stick to big Hollywood things? Why can't we do things that support the community that we're in? Like we want to make movies. We know what it's like putting your hard work in into something and wanting to show it and show it to people who embrace movies and I, enjoy Absolutely,
1: it. absolutely, hundred yeah. percent agree with that. I am very excited for what's coming down the pipe. Movie Toast the festival. Keep an eye out.
0: Yeah, we're going to be talking about that on all the socials: uh, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, Discord at Movie underscore Toast. That's right.
1: The YouTube and Facebook, uh, Movie Toast News and Reviews.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. It's
1: been a fun week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for what the new year has to bring you and I, Adam, and whole new slate of films that we get to review for our toasters here, and we'll be bringing them to you. Let's let's go 2021. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and of course, stay toasty.